Colossians chapter 2 this morning, y'all. Uh, I'm going to continue talking about Jesus, continue to talk about our faith, continue to talk about what's important about Jesus and our faith. There's always a lot to talk about. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I think we can come up here and just read one verse, pray, say amen, and go home. There's other times when I think we can read a bunch of verses, pray, and go home. We'll see what happens today. The question I want to ask you, or that I'm asking myself, and that I, maybe you should ask yourself, and we should seek the Lord together in answering the question is, are we running on empty or are we full in the Lord? Those of us who are saved, those of us who are in Christ, we've put our faith in Christ as Lord, we've repented of being sinners, uh, we've been baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we have been growing in Christ ever since that moment. The question is, are we full of him most of the time, if not all of the time? And I've been told a lot of times that I'm full of it, but I don't know that that's what they were talking about. And most of the time when that's said, it's probably true. Hopefully never when I'm standing up here delivering the message that the Lord has given us to be aware of. Part of the preacher's responsibility is to do the best we can with God's help to serve up the spiritual food that God would use to help you grow, to help us grow, to, to continue to make us holy because he's holy, to continue to strengthen us and give us courage and wisdom and make us to be everything that Jesus died for us to be. Okay? Years ago, and I mean like maybe 10 years ago or more, I was part of a revival in eastern North Carolina where several of us preachers took one chapter of Colossians each night and we preached on that chapter. I was assigned chapter 2, what we're going to talk about today. After preaching that sermon, I had realized, well, actually, in the middle of preaching that sermon, I, it hit me that I would never, ever be able to show my face in a buffet in eastern North Carolina again because of the way I was preaching that sermon. And you'll find out why as I'm working our way through this chapter 2. Okay, because what's happening is the church in, the, the Colossian church and the towns around them were dealing with the Pharisees and their bad teaching. They were dealing with other people and their bad teaching. Everything coming against Jesus as being Lord and Savior of it all and the center of it all, the center of it all. As we read in the first chapter, Paul spent the first chapter and part of the second chapter, uh, part of the second chapter encouraging these believers, saying, hey, look, what you believed when you first believed was accurate. When you put your faith in Jesus, that was the most powerful moment of your life. And you were able to do it because of the gospel message preached to you. Chapter 1 is a great chapter. He starts off just by saying, hey, look, you were right in the first place. Because they were starting to consider these other teachings. They were considering some other gods. They were considering some of the things that would be taking away from whom Jesus, who Jesus is 
and was at the time. And then he encourages them, if you remember last week, he encouraged them in the first three verses of the chapter 2, saying, look, you're not the only ones in the world who are suffering for the Lord. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to put your faith in Christ. It's hard to stand firm when the world is throwing everything else at you and telling you that what you believe is wrong. Even in those days, they were being offered the buffet of religion. by the world what that means is they were offered any and every religion or idea or thought or belief that there was to offer and you can take it all if you want it you can take some of it if you want it you don't have to take any of it if you don't want to my dad when when we when us older kids us four older kids were young kids when you're a parent and you got four kids or more or three or whatever, it costs a lot of money to feed kids. And what makes it worse is they never like what you're serving. And one might like it, but the other ones don't. You can never please everybody at the table. Not possible. That's why when we were at Dad's house, whatever was on the table is what we were having. Was no asking, what do you want? What do you like? You just put it on the table and we eat it, whether we liked it or not. But every now and then, Dad would take us to the buffet. I think now, looking back, that it was, he, he was getting relief for himself from the arguing about we don't like this and we don't like that. Let's just go to the buffet and y'all eat what you want. And then we can all get something different. Then I, I got older and started realizing my dad was going to the buffet because he liked everything on the buffet. Buffets are awesome. I mean, they, they really are. You got seafood buffets, you got Chinese buffets, you got barbecue buffets, you got buffets for every type of food there is. Then you got, y'all ready? Then you got these places that have everything and anything on the buffet. And you can just go in there and get lost at the buffet. Well, the older I get, and the less active I am compared to when I was in my 20s, y'all. I can't eat as much. And I don't get my money's worth anymore at the buffet. So I don't really go that often. Not to mention, buffets aren't the same as they used to be. You know, it's kind of like, if you, just sit, if you don't go and eat, do this one time. If you don't go to the buffet and eat, just go and sit in the corner and just watch everybody else. That will cure you from going to the buffet. And just watch everybody else. Don't make judgment on them. Just watch how they act and what they do. And yeah, I don't want to. I'll just stay home and cook. Why am I bringing all this up? Because when you're bringing up children, grandchildren, when you're involved in your spiritual growth and you're still growing in Christ, there's no buffet that's going to benefit you on a spiritual level. I'm not going to stand up here and offer you different religions and different gods and different philosophies and different ideas and tell you that any of those places, any of those things can take you to the Lord because they can't and they won't. And if they tell you they do, it's a lie. The only, the only way to get to the Lord is through Jesus. That's what we're about to read about. I found this uh, fact, I guess it's a fact, it was printed. <laughs> it was 2008. It's an article. 
that's 15 years ago. All right, so you, you can imagine how it's changed, how, how, how much is different in 15 years. 57% of evangelical churches, church attendees said they believe many religions can lead to eternal life. 57% in 2008. In fact, 70% of Americans with at least some religious affiliation share that idea. That's the majority. That's most people who are associated or believe or say they believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's, two, that's 15 years ago. I wonder what the percentage is today. Talking about this, I'm not talking about the world. We're talking about people who claim to be Christians or at least go to a, ch a church that claims to be Christian. The results of that survey led one sociologist to comment. His name uh, is D. Michael Lindsay, Lindsay. Lindsay, he's at Rice University or was. The survey shows religion in America is indeed 3,000 miles wide and only three inches deep. That's why I'm asking how we are. Is your tank full? If you're in Christ, is your tank full? Are you full? Are you full of Jesus? Or are you running on empty? You're running on fumes. I'm, I'm the kind of person, I, I know where my gas gauge shuts that motor off when it's, I know how far I can go. And I'll push it until it's almost empty if I have to. It doesn't bother me. But when it comes to spiritual things, that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die for us to run on empty. He didn't die for us to be half full. He didn't die for us to be a quarter full or three quarters full. He died so that we can be completely full of him. And if we try to run on empty or anything less than full, we are going to be tempted by everything the buffet this world has to offer. Different ideas and philosophies which we're going to talk about. Look at verse 6. Let, let me just read a little bit first before I start flipping slides. Let's start in verse 4 because that's where we left off. Verse 4 says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in, uh, in, in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability uh, of your faith in Christ. Oh that, oh, that that could be said about us all, always. Here it is today, big idea. Keep this in focus Chapter, verse 6, chapter 2. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. It seems like a simple statement. Because of everything I just said in the first chapter and in the previous few verses of chapter 2, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. It seems like a simple statement, and most believers hear that and say, duh, that's what we're doing. But is it what we're doing? Is it really what we're doing? Because we have to understand what he's saying. He's saying, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, in the manner by which you received him as Lord and Savior, is the manner in which you should walk in him. Not with him, in him. How did we receive the Lord? How did we receive Christ? He explained that in chapter 1. He said, you heard the gospel and you put your faith in that truth. So it's by faith that you receive Christ. It's by faith that you have the Lord in you. It's by faith that you repented of your sins. It's by faith that you are baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's by faith that you're in Christ. 
by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in the same manner, walk in him. Remember I said, not with him, in him. I think that's two different things. It's, it's two different things for Jesus to be with me or me to be with him. Jesus died so that he could be in us and we can be in him. That was the prayer that he lifted up to the Father on our behalf. That we would be one with him like he is with the Father. That's the gift of the cross, y'all. And it's by faith. So the question, are you walking by faith today? Don't answer that out loud. You and the Lord talk about it. Are you walking in him by faith because you received him by faith? If that's the case, then we don't have the issue of the buffet, the religious buffet that the world is pushing on you. Just because we go to church every Sunday, just because we say we're Christian, doesn't mean we're immune to what the world's trying to push on us. If you don't believe me, go find some Christian church, church that have Christian in their name, and find out that they're preaching some other gospel but what's in this Bible. They've compromised. They've allowed the buffet to come in and infiltrate and contaminate their truth. And they no longer are standing in faith in Christ. Let us not be those. This is Paul driving the point home, y'all. This is the point of, I think it's the point of all of the letters to the Colossians. That's what I think. It, there's a lot of good points. There's a lot of good truth in there. But right here, he's, he built them up. He encouraged them. He reminded them. He's like, y'all are awesome. I'm praising God for you. Your faith is awesome. I know you're tempted. I know it's hard. I'm with you. We're, we're, I'm in prison too. But let's not give up on Christ. being the only one that can bring us to the Lord. As you have received, so walk in. That's the key. As you have received. Nothing else. There's nothing else you need. There's nothing else to look for. You don't add to Jesus and you don't take away from Jesus. No other rules, no other religion. Nothing. Just Jesus. And if we can resolve to accept that by faith, then the Spirit of God will help us defend ourselves against anything that tries to dismantle that. Look at verse 7 with me. Let's find out if we're actually living by faith here. Maybe, maybe some things that will help us live by faith. He said, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing uh, with gratitude. Well, if I had just read verse 6 and said amen and prayed and went home, we could all praise the Lord, right? And go home feeling good about ourselves. Which I th I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying if we'd have stopped there, there wouldn't be... No problems, but now we're reading verse 7, and verse 7 is giving us some things to think about, some challenges, or maybe some tools to use to determine between us and the Lord to reveal whether or not we actually are walking in Him by faith. Because if we are, then we will be firmly rooted in Him. 
We're not going to be 3,000 miles wide and 3 inches deep. The goal is to be extremely deep, as deep as the Lord will help us be, rooted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because once we're rooted in that, nothing will be able to uproot that. Right? Firmly rooted is deep. Deep in what? Deep in the word, deep in prayer, and deep in our faith. One of, one of the most, I think, I personally believe that one of the most complete wastes of time in a, human, in, a, in a human being's life is reading the Bible and never applying it. That's like... Trying, that's like trying to grow a plant with shallow dirt. Are we being built up in him? Are, are we actually feeling and, and recognizing that God is building us up? I'm not building myself up. You're not building yourselves up. God is building. God does the building. He's the one that's shaping you. And are you being built up? Are you being encouraged in your faith? Through the Bible study and the word and the fellowship and the worship and the singing and the service that the church has going on around the world. Are you being built up? Are you being encouraged? Are you getting stronger in your faith? Are you finding more and more joy in your faith, even in the hardest of times? Or if you are, then you'll be an encouragement to other people and you'll be used by God to build up other people. That's how the kingdom of God works. Are you being built up? The way you, know, the way you can know if you're being built up is if you can recognize that God is using you to build his kingdom. If, if you notice times when God is actually using you to impact the world for Christ. And you and the Lord know if that's happening. The next thing is, are we being strengthened in the faith? Is our faith getting stronger and stronger as we live our life, as we're being built up, as, we're being de- as, our roots are, as our roots are getting deeper and deeper into the Word and into the Spirit of God and into the fellowship of the church. It, it means that the stronger our faith gets, the bolder we get, the stronger we get, the more confident we are, not only about our own salvation, but about the, God, the Word of God, about, uh, about preaching into the world, regardless of who is against We're confident when the world throws the buffet at us and we have uh, reason to stand firm and say, yeah, no, it's not not true. And I know it's not true because here's why I believe what I believe. Right? Now let's go to verse 8, talk about the buffet for a minute. Because we've got to know what's on the buffet. Don't go to the buffet, you've got to know what's on the buffet. Because if you don't know what's on the buffet, somebody's liable to get something off the buffet and bring it to you and you can be fooled, as was read in verse 4. You can be fooled. You don't want the buffet. I remember I was on fire with that sermon too, y'all, over there in eastern North Carolina. I was like pounding the pulpit, and I was pushing, pointing that way and pointing this way, and everybody was amen. And then it's like right in the middle of that sermon, I was like, man, I'm never going to be able to show my face in a buffet again. And everybody just started busting out laughing. <laughs> Because I was preaching so hard against the buffet. Look at verse 8, what it says. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it that no one takes you captive. Here's how they're going to do it. Or they're going to try. 
through philosophy, empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So anything that comes to you that's not Christ is part of the buffet and you should dismiss it. Confidently and boldly dismiss it with love. Because whoever's bringing it to you needs Jesus too. We're going to talk about some of these things as quickly as I can. Because I want to get to the good part before I run out of time. Just notice he's talking about persuasive arguments. That means what sounds good, but, it's not, but it isn't good. The world, and we people... And the world, we, have, we are crafty at making things sound really good. Whether they're good or not. We're good at it. Persuasive arguments. Deception, you all understand what deception is. Looks real, right? But not real. Looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, but ain't a duck. The traditions of men, that, that word, how that's stated. That according to the tradition of men, during the time of uh, these Jewish people and this church in uh, the Colossian church and the surrounding areas, there were not only Pharisees, but there were some other folks that were bringing in some bad traditions. Or they, maybe they weren't so bad, but they were taking people away from the law of God. One particular instance was what's called the Mishnah. See, the Pharisees felt like they were so responsible for helping people to keep the law, they had to write some 600, maybe a little bit more, of their own man-made rules to help people keep God's law. That's why they weren't allowed to even carry a shovel on the Sabbath, for fear that they might accidentally dig a hole and sin. Sounds silly, but that's a fact. And the problem became, in, for, their, for, for those days, was these, these man-made laws, they were obsessing over them so much that it was taking people away from God's law and actually putting man's rules above God's law, which is sinful. Because God will not take second place to nobody or no thing. And if we try to make up our own rules and we put them above and before God's ways... We will suffer the consequences. Empty human effort is what it is. They began to worship the do's and the don'ts, y'all. Do this and don't do that. Say this and don't say that. Dress like this, and but don't dress like that. Comb your hair this way, but don't comb your hair that way. The do's and the don'ts will get in the way of your relationship with the Lord. They get in the way of you knowing Jesus the way he wants you to know it. I'm not saying totally dismiss all the do's and the don'ts. I'm saying do not let them become law over Jesus in your life. It was all about, for them, for the, for, for, for the Colossians, it was all about uh, Proper foods and proper drinks and Sabbath days being holy and worshiping angels and so on and so forth. All of that becoming more important than God being God. And now, since Jesus comes into the world and he is the Savior, they can't even see that because of their laws. And we all sit back and say, man, that was rough. Them Pharisees, what they did to all them people. 
But you know, we have just as many traditions today in the church that get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. They get in the way of what Jesus died on the cross. How about, here's some, here's some things. Modern Christian traditions, even in today's world, not true in every church, but true for the body of Christ in general, sometimes the church building or the property becomes what is worshipped. And it gets in the way of Jesus being Lord of it all. And it's the people who are the church. Amen? You guys, me, you, the rest of the body of Christ around the world, we are the church. If some reason the world got away with burning to the ground every building that we worship in tomorrow, we would continue to be the church. So let's not let that tradition get in the way. And then there's the Sabbath, Sunday morning being holy. Some, some denominations, some uh, Christian uh, uh, denominations are a little more extreme than others. Some believe that if you don't go to church on Sunday, you're actually in sin. Others don't actually believe it's sinful, but at the same time, sometimes we can get so obsessed about missing church that it's all about going to church and it's not about anything else. Now please understand what I'm saying here, y'all. I think it's vital, I think it's important for the church, each congregation of believers to get together on a regular basis to pray, fellowship, sharing communion, worship, and whatever else the Lord wants to do with us on a regular basis needs to be done. But it's not what it's all about. That Sunday morning worship or any other time worship is a result of who we are in Christ. It's a result of our service to the Lord. It's a result of what God is doing to build us up in our Christian walk. It's a result of us being in Christ by faith. We show up to church on Sunday morning because we desire to. Matter of fact, we can't not worship God because of the walk that we have in Christ. It should bother us extremely when we can't be with the believers when they're getting together. Not sinful from time to time, but it should bother the believer to not be able to gather and participate in what the body of Christ is doing. But we can't worship Sunday mornings. We can't put Sunday morning worship or Wednesday night or Saturday night, whatever it is the world has going on, cannot be above Jesus. Try to find John. I meant to mark this. John chapter 5. I got it. I got it up here. I got it. Hold the phone. I got it. John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. Sometimes, remember what I said about Bible study without application? We worship the Word of God. We just go through the motions of reading the word and we get our devotions on our phone every morning and we call that being a good Christian but we never take time to apply it or let the spirit of God have his way. We're not really walking in Christ by faith. Look what John chapter 5 we can read in verse 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, meaning the words, the truth. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So many people, so many people I've met tell me, I've already read the Bible, I know everything it says. And they may have, but that's their excuse for not accepting Jesus, 
for not becoming a Christian, for not repenting, for not being a part of a church, for not going to church on Sunday or going to Bible study on Wednesday, not being a part of the body of Christ. That's their excuse. I've already read it. Check that book out. Turned it back in. That's old people talk for library stuff, right? <laughs> Young people don't know about that anymore. <laughs> here, in the, here in the Gospel of John, it's saying, look, you can read the Bible all you want to, but if you don't, if you don't apply it to yourself, then you don't have anything. You don't, if, you, you, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the truth. And that's why I tell people, you know, when you're trying to go out and witness to your friends and neighbors and brothers and sisters and enemies and frenemies and whatever, you're, you're, if you're just throwing scripture at them, it, it's, you're probably wasting time. Because they don't care about the truth. They don't care about the Bible. If you go and love them and share life with them, God will present the opportunity to then one day share the scripture. And let the word of God be so powerful in their life they can't ignore it. Because that's, that would be the same as when Saul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And the truth of the word of God will knock anybody off of their high horse. If it's presented in the best way. In a way that God would have it presented. Okay, here's something else. Some other, some other modern Christian traditions that stand in the way that become idols. Sometimes churches around the world, congregations, they, they get in the habit of running the church like it's a business of some sort. And there's no room for the Spirit of God to lead the church. Y'all, we just went, last couple of sermons, we just talked about who's in charge, right? Paul already said Jesus is in charge of it all. He holds it all together. He was there in the beginning. He was there before the beginning. He helped create everything. It was all made for him. It was all made in him. It was all made because of him. He's the boss. He's in charge. And if we try to do, if we try to take God and his kingdom and make it fit into man's ways, we will fail every time. And that would become a tradition that would get in the, in the way of what we do. Idolatry and materialism is what it turns into, y'all. Anytime Jesus is not number one, center of everything in our life and in our church, we're guilty of idolatry. Something else has taken his place. Sometimes it's self. What about these worldly principles? Look at verse 20 of Colossians chapter 2. If you, have, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees? Such as. In other words, if you, died, if you died to your sinful ways, you're not that way anymore, and now you're in Christ, then why are you seeking to fall in line with the world? That, the way this is worded in the New American Standard, this elementary principles, it, it, I read that and it made me think of, uh, what's that detective guy? <laughs> the famous detective, huh? Oh, no, not further, further back than that. I'm, I'm a, yeah, Sherlock Holmes, he's all the time saying elementary, my dear. Remember that? Like he's wiser than everybody else. Elementary, my dear. That's what it made me think of. I don't know why. But Paul is saying what the world is offering you is elementary. It's like it's worthless. Simple. It's beneath God. This buffet of belief systems and philosophies. We're going to talk about a few of them really quickly and then I'm going to shut it down. 
There's a, these, are, these are the worldly principles, these elementary principles. Here, here's what they are. Back in the day, it was asceticism. That means the harsh treatment of the body, making yourself suffer. That was their philosophy or their belief system. How about, how about uh, mystery religions? Secret mystery. It's only certain people that have enough education and enough wisdom and enough uh, abilities can, and can discover this mystery religion. Then there's syncretism, which is a mix and match. Syncretism are the people that go to the buffet and get one of everything, put it on their plate. They got some Buddha. They got some, uh, they got some uh, atheism. They got any, you name it, they got it on the plate. And they're mad because they don't give you a big enough plate. Don't, don't raise your hand or say amen because you know, you know they don't have big enough plates. How about these philosophies that they're offering? You got, you got uh, uh, the, the, the common ones. Plato and Aristotle have their own philosophies. And then you got skeptics, Stoics, Epicureans. That's how you say it, right? They're, they're ethical type people. They're always debating everything. Stoics, they're all about emotions, how you feel. I have the hardest time with the skeptics because they don't believe anything. You could say exactly what they said and they'll, they'll, they'll start being skeptical about it. It's just their thing. Here's some, here's, some, here's some modern day elementary principles for today's world that we deal with. This is what's on the buffet today. Pluralism. Truth is relative. Whatever your, whatever your truth is, is true for you and whatever my truth is, is true for me. Deck. There's no room for Jesus in that. Again, syncretism, that's the religious buffet. Just take one of everything. Everything leads to God, y'all. That's what people preach. It's not true, but that's what they believe. Whatever you pick, just pick something. Take it all. Don't take any. It doesn't matter. You'll still find God. Those are the ones I believe get most upset about Jesus being the only way. Oh, here's one that maybe, here's one that maybe we all might be guilty of from time to time and not even know it. There's humanism on the buffet, y'all. If you don't know what humanism is, humanism is the pursuit of happiness. It's all about, I'm God and I will make myself happy. Right? That's humanism. There's no room for that. There's no room for Jesus in that. Then there's the materialism, idolatry, and greed. It all goes into the same thing. Stay away from the buffet, y'all. Don't go to the buffet, the spiritual buffet that the world constantly offers. They make it nice. They got all kinds of lights up there. The glass is nice and clean. Everything looks so fresh. Everything looks healthy. It actually looks like it tastes good, but it's all trash. Because it's not Jesus. And they're really good because sometimes they'll make up some of those dishes to look like Jesus. Sound like Jesus tell you that it tastes like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. I suggest you get the special. I bet you don't know what the special is. It's Jesus, y'all. Jesus is the special. It's the only thing that will get you eternal life. Let's read verses 9 to 15 as we shut it down. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in, the bod in, in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is 
the head over all rule and authority. Verse 11 says, And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith, the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgression. That's an amen and praise the Lord break right there. Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt uh, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to the festival or new moon or, or of Sabbath day. Paul is telling these people that because of Jesus and his act on the cross, because of the forgiveness offered by the cross, and he's the only one that could offer it, you now can be forgiven of being a sinner. You can, your transgressions are forgiven. You've been taken from being an enemy of God to being a, a, a friend of God, a child of God. It's the fullness of Christ that's offered to you. There's no reason for our tanks to not be full. There's absolutely no reason for that. If we're walking in Christ as we received Christ in faith, by faith. And only, look, Jesus offers love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Praise the Lord. Nobody else, no thing else, no other religion, no, the whole world all put together does not offer, cannot offer, and will not offer that. Jesus offers victory, y'all. If you're not saved, you don't have it. You just don't have it if you're not saved. If you haven't accepted Jesus by faith, repented of being a sinner, saying all that means is realizing, okay, it's true, I've offended God. And I don't deserve anything he offers me. But I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he did what this Bible says he did. Because of that, I want to put my faith in him. And I want to be forgiven. I want to walk in him. I want to receive him by faith and walk in him. By faith. That's the only way to do it, y'all. That's the only way to live the Christian life. You stay out of the buffet, and you go get other people out of the buffet. You don't just sit over at your table by yourself enjoying Jesus. There's a whole line at the buffet today. Go get them. And tell them why you're not eating at the buffet. I just read... 
I just read those verses kind of quickly for you to listen to because it explains how we step into Christ, how by faith we receive him as Lord and Savior. It explains how and what happens. He said, he said you're circumcised spiritually, meaning what's bad is cut off and done away with. That's what salvation is. That's what, that's what confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior means. That's what putting your faith in Christ means. That's what repentance means. That's what being baptized into Christ means. It's all evidence of you putting your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The best part after that is we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, y'all. And we don't walk with Christ. We walk in Christ because of that. And that is the gospel truth. There's nothing more true than that. And if you're saved and you're walking in Christ as you received him, let's just praise the Lord together. If you're not saved, if you don't even know, if you don't know if you're saved, you're probably not. I don't mean that harsh. I don't mean that to knock you down. I'm just saying if you know you're saved, you know it. If you're saved, you really know it. You've got confidence. And it's okay if you don't because we can solve that. We can stand up and say, you know what, I, I believe. I, I want to be in Christ. I want what, what Jesus died for. I want what Paul's talking about. The buffet will kill you. I love you and the Lord loves you. Let's stand again and sing. <clears throat>